0: All
1: right. <laughs> Welcome to
0: Cocktails and Killers! Hello! I'm Lena. I'm Heather. And this is episode... Eight. Oh, I'm glad Heather knows because I don't keep <laughs> crying. Tonight we're going to be talking about Edmund Emil Kemper III. He has such a proper name. Oh yeah. Uh, You may know him as the Co-ed Killer.
1: Big Ed.
0: Yes, he he did have a nickname, (laughs) Big Ed. So uh, welcome and let's uh, tune in as we learn about Ed. He's one of my favorite, and I know I say that every week that they're all one of my favorite killers, (laughs) but. I guess that's why I picked them, because they really are some yeah. of my favorite.
1: Lena loves to talk about some serial killers. I do.
0: I really, really do. Okay. <laughs> so, let's get right into it, okay? Yes. He was born December 18th, 1948 in Burbank, California. He weighed 13 pounds oh at birth.
1: His poor mother.
0: No wonder she fucking hated him. <laughs> I'd hate the asshole, too. <laughs> Braylon was nine, and that was enough. Oh,
1: 13 pounds.
0: 13 pounds. God and bless. she delivered
1: him, norm- like, yes. natural. Yes. She
0: had a childbirth. 13 yeah. pounds. But she was a big lady. Uh, if you've ever listened to any of his interviews, he has said, like, she was, like, six foot,
1: oh, 200. Really?
0: Oh, she was a very big lady. Yeah. Okay. So... He came by it honestly. So that, yeah, because I know
1: he was huge.
0: Uh Later in life, he was like 6'9", like God. 300 pounds. But, I mean, 13 pounds at birth, that's a lot. Oof. So his mom's name was Clarnell. Clarnell. I would hate my life already if that were my name. <laughs> I've never even heard that name before. That's the first time I've ever heard Clarnell. Yeah, it wasn't... Probably wasn't the best of names. So, uh, anyway, his mom was Clarnell and his dad was obviously Edmund Emil Kemper Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, little Ed, he was the middle child. He had two sisters, Elan and Susan. So, he was a middle child. He was the middle child. Mm. Middle child syndrome, yes. And his mom, which I will talk later more about. She but was a
1: mean old bitch.
0: She was and she really treated him like shit. She was
1: horrible to him
0: horrible and she supposedly had her own issues i mean i'm not going to blame her completely but i feel like the way she treated him had something some sort of
1: effect on yeah on the way Mm -hmm,
0: exactly his parents they really they didn't have a great marriage they fought a lot and when ed was nine they actually separated it Mm -hmm. wasn't until about three or four years later that they actually divorced But they did separate His dad moved away And his mom Mm -hmm. kept him His mom Oh, God Like I said She was very domineering Mm -hmm. You can listen to any interview that he does And he will talk about his mom And how she treated him And even his sisters were the same way They would even make fun of him Mm -hmm. And like belittle him And Mm -hmm. his mom was scared Because he was so big And a little different Mm Mm-hmm that he was going to hurt his sisters. So she would lock him in the basement.
1: Yes. I remember uh, hearing about that. Like every night she would lock him in down there.
0: Yeah. She was afraid that he would like rape them, I guess. And like just. I don't know why she would.
1: Have... Well, she
0: was fucking batshit crazy. Well,
1: true. And so,
0: you know, I mean, she had her own set of issues. Yes, Ed had his issues. Mm-hmm. But she was crazy too. Yeah. I mean, that's just she was also an alcoholic, and later on in life, they diagnosed her with having borderline personality disorder.
1: Oh no, that I didn't know actually, yeah, mm-hmm. so she okay,
0: I think I feel like a lot of his stuff stemmed from his mom, and as we learn more about like his murders and his kills and things like that, mm-hmm. it kind of plays in, but. I'm not gonna say his mom made him to be mm-hmm. what he was, but I feel like she had a big part in it. Well, you know? that
1: and coupled with the fact that, you know, apparently mental illness runs in his family, especially yes. with his mom, mm-hmm. like something was most likely passed on to him. Yeah. And then you add in her treatment of him on top of it.
0: Right. And he's basically just. just exacerbate
1: like, things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. When he, like I said, he was about nine, his parents separated. About a year later, when he was around the age of 10, is really when his antisocial behavior started to get worse, Mm -hmm. he buried a pet cat alive. Oh, my God. Alive. Oh, my God. He waited days for it to die. Then he (sighs) dug it back up. And he mounted its head on a a spike. Oh, my
1: God.
0: (laughs) Yeah. In an interview later on, he stated that being able to kill the cat, to bury it, to dig it up and do what he did to it and lie and not get caught gave him this sense of, like, gratification and that, like, he was, like, something good because he could get away with it and lie. Mm-hmm. It gave him a sense of, like,
1: power, power, probably.
0: fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, I can do this and I can get away yeah. with it, you know, because I'm better than everybody else.
1: I'm, also, I, I'm obviously smart enough to, you know, be mm-hmm. able to do this and get away with it, so.
0: Exactly. With his sisters around this age, he had a couple of quote-unquote games he liked to play. Gas chamber <laughs> oh and electric chair <laughs> were his favorite games to play. As so while kid. we're playing Cowboys and Indians and, and Barbies and Barbies, <laughs> He's playing gas chamber and electric chair, oh my God, where he would be the person that was getting executed. He would have his sisters be the executioners. <laughs> <laughs> and he would fall on the floor writhing or, you know, yeah. act like he was act being like electrocuted. Yeah. I mean, whatever it was, I, as a mom, I can't imagine being like.
1: I mean, what if Braylon decides, hey, with his kid, you know, right? with his friends over well, one, let's play gas chamber or let's
0: play electric? Chamber. I'd be like, look, you need to take your fucking ass to the house because my kid's about to be
1: grounded. Like, my kid's gonna be going to therapy.
0: Right? I mean, that's <laughs> uh, that's not bit. normal. No, that's not definitely not normal. Mm. So when he was about thirteen, he actually, so he had a history. He would always mutilate and like kill. Animals. So at 13, they had another cat that Ed felt like favored his younger sister over him. (laughs)
1: Well, no wonder. I'm sure it can sense
0: you're a cat killer. So he killed the cat and he chopped it up and he kept the little pieces in his closet. What? Yeah. Until his mom found it and then she went fucking apeshit. Well, no doubt. I mean, I would too. I would Obviously. probably, I don't know what I would do. And it was about this age when he says he remembers that he starts having these violent fantasies of killing his mom, her being shot to death, decapitating her. Wow. That's when he really starts, like.
1: I didn't realize that he had started having those types of fantasies yeah, at that young at of that, an age.
0: Yes, at a young age. He's even at this age, like his sister teased him. About having a crush on a teacher. And he says, well, if I wanted to kiss her, I'd have to kill her first.
1: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) So, uh, he was, I don't want to say messed up. But, I mean, there was something off about him from a very young Mm -hmm. age. You know, whether his mom played into it or not is kind of up to speculation. But I think so. Mm -hmm. So, at age 14, he actually runs away from his mom's home. And he goes to Van Nuys, California. Which is where his dad lives at this time because they're divorced. Mm -hmm. They are divorced at this point. So he wanted to actually go and stay with his dad. And he was there for maybe just a few weeks, a very short time. And his dad sent him to live with his grandparents, uh, Maude and Ed Sr., Mm -hmm. um, on their ranch in North Fork, California. Well, little Ed, he hated it there. Mm. Hated it. Uh, He would say that. His grandfather after was senile, and his grandmother was always emasculating himself and his grandfather. So, basically, he's out of the fire and into the frying pan because his mom was the same way. And now he's living with his grandmother, who is exactly the same way.
1: Yeah. Who's treating him like shit.
0: No, not any better, you know, at all. So, he did start school. He went to Sierra Joint Union High School. His teachers have said he was actually very quiet, very meek. Hmm. And he had, at this point, average grades. He never caused any trouble at school.
1: Didn't he have like a high level of intelligence?
0: Yes. So later on, we'll find out what his, his IQ was. He was very intelligent. But, you know, at this point, he was described as just being kind of like a a good student. You know, his grades were okay. He didn't mm-hmm. cause any conflicts or do anything. Mm-hmm. And when he was on the farm, he spent a lot of his time with his dog and his grandpa bought him a 22 rifle. I mean, maybe this isn't the best, but he liked using rabbits and gophers as target oh, practice. Oh my
1: God.
0: And he would even go on and kill birds, even though his grandma would be like, don't you kill those birds? <laughs> don't shoot the birds. Sure, kill the rabbits and the gophers, but don't shoot, but don't the, birds. shoot the birds. Yeah.
1: He's like, "Fuck you, Grandma."
0: Uh, I mean, no, uh, yeah. Basically, we'll we'll figure we'll out more about that a little later. Long. After this school year ended, he returned to his mother's and was actually supposed to stay all summer. But after just a couple of weeks, he was back on the farm because his mom just she couldn't do anything with him, and she felt like that he was just a lost cause and just acting out, and she didn't want to have so to deal what with better it.
1: better way to deal with it than to just dump him off on someone else?
0: Basically, I mean, he felt like Instead he of was... the problem, set yeah, on. He felt like he was just trash being yeah. disposed of, you know? August 27th, 1964. Edmund sat at the kitchen table with his grandma as she was going through her proofs because she was writing a children's book.
1: Oh. Mm-hmm. Now that I didn't know.
0: Um... Ed whistled for his dog. He grabbed his gun and said he was going to shoot some gophers. Well, Grandma made a mistake. So, Little Miss Maud scolded him and reminded him not to be shooting birds. He kind of just basically lost it at this point. So, he goes outside. He turns back around and he sees that his grandma's back is to him. So, he shoots her instead. One shot in the head first, Mm -hmm. in the back of the head. She slumps over on the table He goes back in the house. He shoots her two more times in the back, just to make sure that she's dead. Mm -hmm. As he's thinking, what the fuck am I going to do? His grandpa, who was out getting groceries, returns home. Ah. He's unloading the groceries. And Kemper says that he has this moment where he is like, I don't want my grandpa to see his wife dead. And to know what has happened. So he goes outside and shoots him in the back of the head. Killing him instantly. He says it's an act of mercy. Because he doesn't want his grandpa to suffer. Seeing his wife dead. And quote, potentially have a heart attack from it.
1: So I'll just blow his brains out. It's fine. Exactly. Wow.
0: It's so weird because he has... There is some... I mean, that's not normal compassion. But there is some sort of... Compassion on his side Mm -hmm. But then there's not because He quote and said His
1: his sense of empathy is so skewed
0: Yes it is Because he has said quote I just wanted to see what it would be like to kill grandma
1: Yeah I've heard that
0: So I guess when she got on to him about the Birds he just (laughs) Lost it and that's when He shot her and then Shot his grandpa in a Frenzy he called his mom Who he hates So it's weird that he called her and she says, You have to call the sheriff. Call So he
1: told her what he'd done. He
0: told her what he had done. And she said, You have to call the sheriff. So he calls the sheriff. They come out, take him in, he admitted he admitted to what he'd done. I mean, you he couldn't deny it, you know. Oh yeah. He was sentenced to the juvenile hall while the California youth authority decided what to do with him while he was there. He was diagnosed as paranoid and psychotic, or paranoid, you know, schizophrenic. schizophrenic. Yeah. So he was sentenced to the, I don't know that I'm going to say this right, at Escudero State Hospital on December 6th, 1964. Hmm. While he was there, he was a model prisoner. They couldn't have asked for a better prisoner. Yeah. I mean, so much so, he was trained to administer the psychiatric tests that were given to the other inmates. He would later say, knowing how the tests worked allowed him to know how to manipulate all of his psychiatrists that he had to see while he was in, uh, you know, on parole.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kind of how Ted Bundy had his, you know, psychology degree and knew yes. how to manipulate so that people mm-hmm. wouldn't, see the real thing He knew
0: what to say. He knew what to do mm-hmm. so that they would be like, oh, you are just, you are doing great. Mm-hmm. You know, you're such the model citizen, such the model prisoner. I mean, he basically manipulated everyone. And it yep. was actually during this time that he was basically determined to be like a genius because he scored a 145 on his IQ test. He displayed all of the signs of being rehabilitated. Mm-hmm they thought, okay, he was a young kid, he made a mistake, he's good now, Yeah, you know,
1: like. He's rehabilitated.
0: Yeah, so on his 21st birthday, December 8th, 1969, he was released on parole. His psychiatrist recommended that he actually not be released into the custody of his mother. So they wanted someone else to be able to live with him and, you know, take care of him because they had heard all the stories about his mom and, and how, horrible how horrible she was. Yes, hmm But they released him into her custody anyway. And he moves to Apton, California with her. And on November 29th, 1972, his juvenile records were completely expunged. Really? Like, it had, like, never even See, happened. See, that
1: happened with Ted, too. He had records as a kid and they yes. were expunged. Um, his huh. psychiatrist, this
0: is the last report from his probation psychiatrist. And they said, quote, If I were to see this patient without having any history available, any history from him, I would think we're dealing with a very well-adjusted young man who had initiative, intelligence, and who was free of any psychiatric illnesses. Huh. It is my opinion he has made a very excellent response to the years of treatment and rehabilitation and I would see no psychiatric reason to consider him of being any danger to himself or to any member of society and since it may allow him more freedom as an adult to develop his potential I would consider it reasonable to have a permanent expungement of his juvenile records.
1: Wow. I bet that um, psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever. <laughs> they're going to. But they're like, I fucked up. They're
0: going to uh, definitely regret, regret that, that later. Yes. So, you know, he's released. He's living with his mom. Part of his um, parole requirements included that he start attending a college. So he joins a community college close by. And he actually wanted to become a police officer at this time.
1: Oh. Which really
0: doesn't surprise me given. Mm-hmm. how we know he enjoyed all the tests and all the things like that mm-hmm. but he was turned down because he was too tall so, i didn't even know
1: that was a thing that uh, you could... they
0: have a minimum height requirement and they yeah. have a maximum and he was too tall because he was six nine huh but
1: because I of that you'd want a big tall intimidating right? dude like that you would that. think
0: so mm-hmm. i mean maybe back then they couldn't fit in the cars. Maybe. i don't know what the reason is so he would hang out with this local bar that they nicknamed the Jury Room. Mm-hmm. And he befriended all the police officers in his town. They even nicknamed him Big Ed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was like, oh, hey, what's up? This you know, big,
1: lovable guy yes. that everybody
0: liked. They all liked him and saw him as just this big teddy bear, mm-hmm. you know, who wanted to be a police officer but couldn't because he was too tall. I mean, it's crazy. During this time, he had several jobs that never really amounted to much Mm -hmm. just kind of part-time jobs here and there um he finally got a good job with the highway division and he was able to move out and get his own place he did have a roommate but the roommate really wasn't there very much
1: um it's usually the perfect kind of roommate right
0: (laughs) especially for a serial killer he bought a car i think it was a, a ford galaxy if i'm remembering correctly that resembled a police car and he modified it, adding a radio transmitter, uh, a microphone, one of those big, tall antennas, you know. Really? Yeah. So and, he could
1: listen to the scanners? And-, and
0: so what he would, he started out doing, he actually did like, I call it like surveillance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For about a year, he would actually pitch, pick up hitchhikers and take them to where they really wanted to go to learn how to get their trust
1: Oh. So that
0: when he was ready to start killing, mm-hmm. he knew the things to say. He knew the things to do. It was about a year and a half later after mm-hmm. he did all this that he finally had his first kill. May 7th, 1972, Marianne Pesky and Anita Lucchesa, both 18, were hitchhiking from Fresno State to Stanford when he picked them up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He drove around for a while until he reached a wooded area And this was an area that he was familiar with because of his job with the highway division. So he kind of knew all of the ins and outs of places that were off the road that he could get back and not be seen. He handcuffed Mary Ann and then he locked Anita in the truck. He laid Mary Ann face down in the back seat like this, you know, Mm -hmm. long ways. He put a bag over her head and attempted to strangle her also with a piece of cloth. It was supposedly a piece of, like, terry cloth, not something super strong. Mm-hmm. She bit a hole in the bag, and <laughs> his cloth snapped. <laughs> so, he was, you know, a little pissed. Uh, so, he stabbed her repeatedly, eventually slashing her throat. And then, he got Anita and stabbed her to death. He, did, he used a different knife. This was a larger knife. He stabbed her to death. Uh, he placed both bodies in his trunk and returned to his apartment. It is rumored... I could not find for sure that this is a 100% fact. Mm-hmm. It is rumored that he was pulled over on his way home that night for a broken taillight, but the police didn't search anything or have any reason to suspect anything was out of the ordinary.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. So he could have been caught then. So if he stabbed that girl in the back seat, wouldn't there be blood everywhere? Right? Huh. As we
0: go on, we'll learn he did more things in the car than just that. Really? Mm-hmm. But at this time, he had his own car. Mm. He wasn't driving his mom's car yet, which kind of leads into the last couple murders. Yeah. So, he threw both bodies in his trunk and returned to his... He was still living on his own. He returned to his apartment. He photographed their bodies and had sex with them before dismembering them.
1: Oh, my God.
0: He then severed the heads and used the heads to perform oral sex on himself. Oh, there's a term for that that I read and
1: aside from necrophilia? Yes, there is yeah. like a
0: certain term that describes like the action of that. Mhm. But I didn't write it down. <laughs> so <laughs> uh I mean it doesn't matter. He was fucked up. I yeah. mean, you're using a fucking severed head to get
1: yourself, give yourself off. Head, so yeah. whatever. Yeah.
0: Um He threw their heads into a ravine and dumped the rest of their bodies, which he placed in plastic bags Mm -hmm. um, near uh, Loma Mountain. So, let's fast forward a few months, September 14th, 1972. Ako Loco, she's 15. Wow. She had to get to dance class. She waited on the bus and it was taking too long. So, she decided to hitchhike. Because, you know, most of these, well, all of these girls were hitchhikers that he picked up. Again, he goes to a remote location, and he actually gets out of the car with the gun, and she gets suspicious, okay? So she locks the doors
1: mm-hmm. and won't let
0: him back in. Well, he tells her, I'm going to kill myself. The gun is for me to kill myself. I need you to help me not kill myself.
1: I remember this, yeah. So she believed, that. She believed him. Get, you're on your own, dude. I'm taking your... <laughs> oh,
0: go ahead. Blow your fucking head off. I don't care.
1: Just leave know? me out of it.
0: Yeah. Basically. I mean, and he... So he choked her until she was unconscious. Wow. Then he raped her. And he strangled her with her own scarf. He threw her in the trunk and basically just went about his day that day. Wow. He stopped by a bar for drinks with her body in, in the, the trunk. trunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He went Jesus. by his mom's house to see how she was, and he has said that each time he stopped, that he would open up the trunk just enough to look in and see his trophy, his prize, and wow. admire his work that he had done. Wow. He wanted to see his kill like a deer hunter mm-hmm. who put that the deer.
1: Is so up. Up. Yeah.
0: He dissected her body just as, the you know, the previous two. But this time, he disposed of her head and her hands together. Huh. He hadn't done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he put the rest of her body somewhere else. And actually, not all of her body was ever even found. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they still never found all of her body. They found a lot of it and tried to piece it together like a jigsaw puzzle... But they never found all of it.
1: Well, I wonder if like, I mean, if he disposed of just the head and hands in one spot and maybe the rest of it. I mean, you know, you got to think about nature too. Animals. Exactly. Animals cacken. could have carried it miles mm-hmm. away. Who knows? Especially if you're in the
0: mountains in California, because you yeah. I mean, there's tons of, you know, wildlife there mm-hmm. that could have carried it off or yeah. whatever. He was just the batshit, but <laughs> <laughs> it's so fascinating. Uh, January seventh, nineteen seventy-three. Sandy Shaw. She was eighteen. Kemper was driving around Cabrillo College campus when he picked her up. He again takes her to a wooded area and shoots her with a twenty-two caliber pistol. At this time, Kemper had actually moved back in with his mom, hmm. so this is kind of a wrench in his plans, I guess, because yeah. you know he can't just do what Take he wants. Come back
1: to his place. And... Yeah,
0: exactly. So, he hides her body in his closet until the next morning when his mom goes to work. He pulls out the body, has sex with her. Oh. He decapitated her, and he removed the bullet that he shot her with and dismembered her in his mom's bathtub. Oh,
1: my God.
0: Well, he decided he wanted to keep the head for several days.
1: Mm. He kept it in his
0: closet... And he would repeatedly pull it out and use it for oral sex. Mm. Finally, this is like, just, you can't hear this kind of stuff and not kind of laugh, but kind of think that's really fucked up. Uh, You you, you just, you're like,
1: how is this even real?
0: Like, yeah, how How could someone be that fucked up?
1: People in this world who are capable of this.
0: He buried the head in his mom's garden, okay, in her yard. And he had the head, the eyes and everything facing up to his mom's window because he said that she always wanted people to look up to her in life. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah. (laughs) That is... Crazy. He's crazy. He's a whole new level of messed up. Like, damn.
0: And then basically the rest of her, he just threw her off a cliff.
1: Oh, my God. Buried her head looking up
0: at his mom's bedroom window. Because he said she always wanted to be looked up to. That is It's unreal. like It's like you... It's I can't wrap my fucked head around up, it. But it's I mean, funny. <laughs> because who does that? I know. Ed Kemper, I guess. I mean, I just... Okay, February 5th, 1972, Rosalind Thorpe, 23, Allison Lou, 20. So, at this point, there's been all these girls gone missing. Mm -hmm. The police have kind of been like, okay, we know someone's picking up hitchhikers. Don't get into a car with anyone unless they have a university sticker on their car. (laughs) Guess where Kemper's mom worked? At the friggin' university. At the university. So she had a sticker on
1: her car. How about don't fucking hitchhike, period, because <laughs> bitches are going missing.
0: Right? Just I don't, don't have war with anybody.
1: Exactly. Stop hitchhiking.
0: I mean, I feel
1: like I would have stopped hitchhiking,
0: but I mean, I don't know. I'm a crazy I bitch. I mean, you so. know, but you
1: got the authorities who come out and they're like, well, you, you can get in cars that have university stickers on them because those will be safe. Right? Like thinking it's safe to get into a car with Ted Bunny because he has a fucking cast. No!
0: It's all a ruse! Exactly. So, he picks up Rosalind and Allison and just immediately he shoots them both. No fucking... Like as soon as they get in the car. As, yeah. No play. No strangling. None of that. Shoots them both. Wraps them in a blanket. This time... He beheads them first in the car. In the car, cuts their fucking heads off. Oh, my. He takes their bodies into the house and has sex multiple times with their headless (sighs) corpses. I mean, I feel like as a mom, I'd be like, what are you doing, dude? I don't know. I just don't know where his mom was. I know she liked to party a lot, so... Mm -hmm. She could have been gone a lot. That's true. Or passed out drunk. Yeah, well, that's what happened when he killed her. She Mm -hmm. was, and he, quote, says soused, which means really drunk. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we've all been there. So, he decapitates them in the car, brings in their corpses, fucks them for however many days. Oh, my God. I can't. Well, we can't imagine it because we're normal humans. True. You know.
1: I just think, like, as soon as a body dies like it's going to start to decay
0: well and he has there's some quotes i'm going to read later he has said that like growing up he was taught that when the brain dies the body dies and he's Mm -hmm. like that's not true there's so much more left to a woman after so for him to cut the head off was like nothing you know
1: but i mean the smell of decay would start to
0: set in, you mm-hmm. would think. I mean, so after he brought them in and did had his thing with them, he would then dismember them and he removed the bullets from them too, so they couldn't trace it back to his gun. Damn. Even though he should have never been able to own a gun, mm-hmm. he, he legally purchased that gun. Because his
1: record had been explained. yes.
0: hmm Yep. Wow. Uh, and then he, you know, discarded their remains like the next day or two.
1: yeah.
0: He was questioned in an interview as to why he decapitated his victims. And Mm -hmm. this is kind of what I was saying. The head trip fantasies I'm quoting him, okay? Mm -hmm. The head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy. You know, the head is where everything is at. The brain, the eyes, the mouth, that's the person. I remember being told as a kid, you cut off the head And the body dies. The body is nothing after the head is cut off. Well, that's not quite true. There's a lot left in the girl's body without the head. End quote.
1: A lot left that's not alive. Oh my God. Super fucked up. I mean, I I knew he was messed up, but damn. Oh, it's going to get worse. You just
0: wait. Just wait. So, this to me is when... He really lets his crazy shine.
1: Ah.
0: April 20th, 1973. Clarnell Sternberg, who is his mom, mm-hmm. 52. And her best friend, Sally Hallett, 59. This is when he kills them. His mom came in that evening after being at a party. He says she was, quote, soused. Soused. Yes. It wakes him up and he goes into her room and she, being the bitch that she is... Says, oh, I suppose you want to sit up and talk all night now. And he was like, no, mom, just, you know, get some sleep. He says he knew at that point he was going to kill her. He knew it. That night. That night. There wasn't any question. There wasn't any hesitation. He knew he was going to do it. He waited for her to fall asleep. Then he beat her with a hammer.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And slit her throat. He decapitated her, used her head also for oral sex. His mother, yes. He used her head for oral sex. He states he put her head on a shelf in his room, and that's when he used it as a dartboard.
1: Shut up. Yes.
0: He He used his mother's head as a dartboard. Wow. He screamed at the decapitated head for over an hour. Just just letting, letting it all go. And then... He smashed her decapitated head's face in
1: oh. with
0: a hammer till it was unrecognizable. That wasn't it. This is the best part. Oh. Okay, I can't say best part because it's super fucked up, but it is the best part. He cut out her tongue. What? And her vocal cords. He tried to grind them up in the garbage disposal. <laughs> But because it's so tough and so fibrous, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't do anything. So, the sink basically regurgitated the
1: fucking vocal
0: cords and tongue back up in the sink. Didn't he say something about that? (laughs) And this is so... Look, I'm not a morbid person, but this is funny. Okay? He later joked and said, That seemed appropriate as much as she bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years. That, yeah. he, that he couldn't... That even the garbage disposal... Yes. Even <laughs> the garbage disposal couldn't get rid of her vocal cords yeah. to be there couldn't to shut her up. <laughs> couldn't shut her up.
1: <laughs> that was like her final fuck you.
0: <laughs> and it's so weird. Like, if you watch some of these videos of him, he is just so, like... Nonchalant like, we're talking right now. About... Not, yes. Mm-hmm. Nonchalant about everything.
1: It's so weird. I don't... Like, he he'll just... I've seen and like he has no qualms about talking about this stuff and what he did. None,
0: like, and that's what makes him to me so interesting. Is because just... he was so smart mm-hmm. and he did so much
1: fucked up shit, and he just is just, yeah, I did it. Okay, whatever yeah, I did. Oh, and here's how I did it, and here's what I did, and you know, I might crack a joke or two. It's so crazy to me. And then you have, you know, some of the other killers who won't tell you anything. Mm-hmm. You know, like Israel Keys. Right. And Ted finally confessed to a lot more, but that was finally. right before, right. you know, that they was, fried him. Mm-hmm. But a lot, you know, there's several of these serial killers that won't tell you shit about what they did. But then and you got it, people like Ed
0: who's like, yeah, boy, you want to know? I know. And that's so weird to me. Yeah. And that's why I feel like he's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And why I say and he's And I don't one of know, I guess
1: maybe... I don't, I don't really know his motivation to murder a lot of the others, you know, that we've talked mm-hmm. about is power. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I don't him. think
0: it is with him. I, I feel was like think it about power. I feel like he had displaced anger mm-hmm. on everybody, everyone that he killed
1: mm-hmm. because
0: of how his mother treated him. Yeah. That's, that's what I think. I don't. I mean, obviously, I'm not a psychiatrist or whatever, but... He had mommy issues. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, because, you know, his grandma wasn't horrible to him like his mom was, but she kind of took the place in his life as his mother. Yeah. And when she tried to tell him what to do, he just lost his shit. Yeah. I mean, it's fucked up, but to me, that is what I think is what drove him, is being emasculated, emasculated. Mm-hmm. by women in his life because other than his grandpa all he killed was women yeah and he said he killed him out of mercy mm-hmm. so to me he hated women because yeah. of how bad his mom was his to mom. him mm-hmm. you know I mean they made fun and of his, his size sisters. and his sisters too yeah which one of his sisters has already passed um and the other one there's really not a whole lot of information out there he does also have a stepbrother But he has basically changed his name and kind of just, you know, Mm -hmm. disappeared from um, the spotlight. So I couldn't really find out a whole lot about either of the ones that are still living. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like he had so much anger towards his mom. And that's just kind of what drove him to do all of this. Yeah.
1: It wasn't a a control factor like some Mm -mm. of the others. I mean, and that's why they took stuff to their graves. Like Mm -hmm. Israel, it was all about power and control.
0: Right. And with Edmund, I mean... You'll see as I read on, like, he was like, I'm done. Can't do yeah. this anymore. Yeah. Like, it's over. She's dead. I'm done. Yeah. You know? Uh After he killed her, he hid her body in the closet and then called her best friend,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Sally. He called her to come over and see if she wanted to have dinner and a movie with he and his mom. So, as soon as she gets there, he strangled her to death and then he threw her in the closet. So, Kemper, he fled and he drove over a thousand miles straight to Pueblo, Colorado. It was there that he found a, um, fuck, what do you even call them? Pay a phone, phone boot. Pay phone. We don't even have them anymore. <laughs> yeah. A pay phone. And he called police and he told them what he did and they didn't believe was him. like,
1: come and pick me up.
0: They didn't believe him. Yes. They said, why don't you just call back later? They thought it was a prank. Yeah. Because... I mean how often does that
1: happen i mean that's true most people don't call and be like hey i did this yeah and there's unless it's somebody just being a jerk
0: mm-hmm they told him to call back later so several hours later he called back and he actually <laughs> asked, still here he asked to talk to a cop that he knew mm-hmm. i'm guessing i never really found out where he knew him from i'm thinking it was from the bar possibly yeah um and he told him, you know, what he did. And then... I think he, he told him in
1: detail what he did. He did.
0: He literally just sat and waited for... For them to come. Come pick him up. And it wasn't until he was in custody that he um, admitted to the six deaths of the co-eds. So, at first, he just admitted to, you
1: and
0: know... And they probably
1: never would have, you know... No, he would have never been those caught, to him. I don't
0: think. I don't think he would have ever been and caught. I, yeah. In in an interview, they asked him, why did you turn yourself in? And he said, the original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing. And at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said, to hell with it. And called it all off.
1: His mom was dead? Yeah. What point did he... Exactly. He had done what he intended. mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. That was his main target all along.
0: Yep. Was his mom. Mm -hmm. After that was over, it was like...
1: "Hmm, I'm done now.
0: What else do I have left to do? Yeah. So, on May 7th, 1973, he was indicted on eight counts of first-degree murder. His attorneys wanted him to plead not guilty by reason of insanity, but from all of his, you know, tests and all that, Mm -hmm. he was actually found sane sane. Mm -hmm, to stand trial.
1: I mean, had he wanted to, he probably could have manipulated those tests to come across as insane, but... He was over it. Yeah, he just...
0: Mm -hmm. On
1: November 8th, 1973, the jury found him sane
0: and guilty. He actually asked for the death penalty because,
1: like was we done. said, he
0: was done. He didn't give a shit. It yeah. was over. He was done. But, instead, he received life in prison and he was sent to California Medical Facility. Where, again, he becomes and a is still prisoner. a model prisoner. He starts making ceramic cups, which... Are for sale. I've never been able to find one. But anyway, that's neither here nor there.
1: He (laughs) told you to write him a letter and ask for a cup. I
0: know. Maybe send him some nudes. (laughs) Maybe Photoshop my head cut off and then he'll send me whatever I want. Uh, He actually spent over 5,000 hours in the prison's recording studio reading audiobooks for the blonde. He was tasked with scheduling the other inmates' psychiatric exams.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean he was like, you know, the best prisoner. All around good
1: guy that, you know, just just happened,
0: happened to, to kill to, and mutilate murder and... some people and Yeah. Mhm. <sighs> he had a stroke later on, so he's not doing any of the rating or making any cups or anything more, but he is still alive. Mm-hmm. He is still in prison mm-hmm. and he is still supposedly model prisoner. Wow. So, over the course of all of his time, he has had some, you know, pretty semi-fucked-up quotes. (laughs) Uh, And, I mean, to me, I think they're pretty cool. But I just kind of wanted to, you know, read over some of them. Because, I don't know, I just think they're cool. Let's see. I'm going to scroll through here. Because I didn't write all these down because that would have taken me forever. Yeah. (laughs) So, after he has killed the girls, he has said before that he kind of did it so that they could always be with him. Like, Mm -hmm. he wanted them to be almost like his possessions, and that's why he killed them. He says, they were like spirit wives. I still had their spirits. I still have them today. After he got out of his juvenile, you know, sentence and whatever... Uh A lot had changed in those five years. You know, people were like doing things like way differently. And he says, when I got out on the street, it was like being on a strange planet. People my age were not talking the same language. I had been living with people older than me than I was for so long. I was an old fogey. <laughs> so, you know, he had the straight haircut. He wasn't like a hippie mm-hmm. like most people mm-hmm. were. And it made him feel like even more of an outsider Yeah. because of how it was. This is probably one of my favorite uh, Kemper quotes, and I'm sure everyone's heard it. And actually, there was, I think it was a movie that credited Ed Gein for saying this, but Mm -hmm. it was not. It was Kemper. And he said, one side of me says, wow, what an attractive girl. I'd like to talk to her, date her. The other side of me says, I wonder how her head would look on a stick.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So, that's a Kemper quote. Not Ed Gein, who was also fucking psycho, but Mm -hmm. um, that was not him. He says, talking about the kills, I remember it was very exciting. There was actually a sexual, sexual thrill. It was kind of an exalted triumphant type thing, like taking the head of a deer or an elk or something would be to a hunter. I was the hunter and they were the victims. Someone apparently asked him what it was like to have sex with a dead body. Oh, dear. He says, oh, what is it like to have sex with a dead body? What does it feel like to sit on your living room couch and look over and see two decapitated girls' heads on the arm of the couch? The first time, it makes you sick to your stomach. But after that, not so
1: much. Jesus.
0: Oh, the one guy that he was in prison with was Herbie Mullen. (laughs) That's the one. I don't know what he did. We're gonna have to research him. But he said Herbie had a habit of singing and bothering people when somebody tried to watch TV. So I threw water on him to shut him up. Then when he was a good boy, I'd give him peanuts. (laughs) Herbie liked peanuts. That was effective because pretty soon he asked permission to sing. That's called behavior modification treatment. Which is true, because I've heard that they do that to prisoners. like, Or they'll make it really cold, so they just lay in their bed and do nothing.
1: Uh (sighs) Uh, Yeah, it's too cold to get up and write today. I'm just going to stay in my bed. (laughs) I'm just going to
0: stay in my bed. Mm -hmm. He talks about other people who are in the same situation as him that maybe haven't killed yet. Uh And he says, there's somebody out there that is watching this and hasn't done that hasn't killed people and wants to and rages inside and struggles with that feeling or is so sure they have it under control. They need to talk to somebody about it. Trust somebody enough to sit down and talk about something that isn't a crime. Thinking that way isn't a crime. Doing it isn't just a crime. It's a horrible thing. It doesn't know when to quit and it can't be stopped easily once it starts. Hmm. So it's like he knows mm-hmm. it probably could have been He can obviously
1: discern right from wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And he knows what he did was wrong. Yeah. And, and, and just how crazy that he can put out there to people, you know, hey, if you're having these thoughts mm-hmm. and you're thinking about it and you haven't acted on it yet, talk to somebody.
0: And he actually he's been up for parole several times and he has really? always like said like I don't want to be out like I can't be out because I'll just do this again
1: really mm-hmm. even though after his mom died see I I would figure that once that was done then he
0: wouldn't want to then do he it wouldn't anymore. want to do
1: it anymore I think because I figured that's why he turned mm-hmm. himself in
0: but I think once he got that feeling mm-hmm. of the the rush of being in control and killing someone
1: mm-hmm. and i don't the, think like, you can switch that off again of yes that he mm-hmm. enjoyed
0: i think it all stemmed from his mom mm-hmm. but i don't think he could switch that off yeah and not do it again that's true you know mm-hmm. uh if you haven't watched mind hunter on netflix uh this they had a lot to do with him and that and a lot of the things they showed is true. He did com- try to commit suicide, you know, a couple of times while he was in custody. Oh. Um, that was true. He, like I said, he did administer the psychiatric tests and mm-hmm. things like that. So if you haven't watched it, it's really good. I would suggest giving it a a watch. Yeah. But um, yeah, Kemper, he's, uh, he's... something special, something else. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it's a real piece of work.
0: So dang i know so that's this week uh heather and i aren't actually drinking right now because we just had brunch and we had like a thousand drinks yeah Uh, (laughs) i had something that had gin in it and it did not taste like pine needles and it was delicious Um, cosmos. so we went to if you live in our area and you haven't been to carson's yet go go i mean prepare to gain 10 pounds but it's totally worth it oh worth it we ate appetizers and entrees and dessert and we drank like fish so it was amazing
1: (laughs) so who are we doing next week heather do you know yet i don't know Mm. i really don't i have you know some ideas about maybe some unsolved cases Mm -hmm. to talk about i'm not sure
0: okay well i'll
1: have to dig a little more see if i can read this book i've been needing to read Uh, We
0: have so many that we haven't finished reading yet. I know. I still haven't finished the Ted Bundy one. I know. Me either. Uh, Okay, listeners, drop us a line like we always say. I already know who I'm doing the next time because our little sweet dear Brandon Beasley, if you're listening, (laughs) I know you are, Brandon, uh, dropped this in my inbox. So that's who I'm going to be doing in a couple weeks. Um, The Chameleon Killer, which kind of started from... Uh, Bear Creek killings, but anyway, uh, don't want to ruin it. But you know that's who I'm going to be doing. So yes. if you have someone you want us to talk mm-hmm. about, find us Instagram, yeah. Twitter,
1: Facebook. Definitely, I actually had a um, a tweet today of um from a guy who actually gave me several suggestions on people we could talk about so
0: there you go Um, we want to obviously appeal to our listeners Ah. but uh anyway yeah so you know let us know what you would like to hear about definitely so y'all have a good week and we'll see you next next time time. Bye. bye